0: welcome back to another episode of finest hours i'm your host brayden cromar joined by my co-host hayden hansen and our executive producer skylar williams hello hello
1: what's up everybody
0: welcome back we did it we managed to put out two episodes in a two-week span we have an exploration themed episode today which we haven't done much of we did ernest shackleton's endurance is that the only expedition we've talked about
1: yeah i mean last time we talked about somebody that was willing to go on one if you count first transatlantic flight as an expedition
0: oh yeah yeah
1: so we've Maybe.
0: done a done, a, done a, couple. a couple but we go back to Great Britain for this the week's episode. It seems like where all the explorers come from is 19th eight, 19th and 20th century Great Britain. That's just what they do. <laughs> Who's our subject today? So the person that we will be talking about today is none other than George Mallory. So I know you guys all know who George Mallory is. So that's kind of it for our episode today. <laughs> <laughs> I bet I bet we have some mountaineering enthusiasts who definitely know who George Mallory is, but the average bloke might not. That's How's true. I what was I watching? I was watching a it was like a Mount Everest documentary on was it Discovery or something and They talked about George Mallory, and I was like, oh, that's really interesting. I had no idea who he was. He pioneered the way for people to reach the summit of Mount Everest, and I had never heard about him, but I thought it was so interesting because it happened so early in time. They didn't have the equipment that we have now, and still people die trying to summit Mount Everest. And they didn't have everything that we have now. So I thought it was crazy. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of talk about this man who, like I said, pioneered the way for people to get to Mount Everest.
1: So that's the background on the reason for picking George Mallory. Now we'll go a little bit into George Mallory's background. So he was born in Moberly, Cheshire, like the Cheshire Cat, I think. (gasps) On the 18th. You said Cheshire,
0: and then you said, like, the Cheshire cat. <laughs> so you so said it the right the second time you said it. You <laughs> said
1: Cheshire. Cheshire. The Cheshire. Cheshire. Ch- the Cheese Shire, um, <laughs> on the 18th of June, 1886. So George went to several boarding schools, and by the age of 13, he had won a mathematics scholarship to Winchester, a name I can say, college. And there, the master mountaineer R.L.G. Irving introduced him to rock climbing and mountaineering. Irving would take a few people to climb the Alps each year, and Mallory was one of those selected to go. So in October of 1905, Mallory entered Magdalen College in Cambridge to study history. So he got his mathematics scholarship and he gave it all up for history. It hurts me. <laughs> Mallory was a great oarsman and he rowed for his college. So he was a very physical chap. Um, enjoyed rowing, climbing, et cetera. A man <laughs> whose shoulders <laughs> are as broad as my torso. Probably.
0: Probably. <laughs> Does he even lift?
1: <laughs>
0: he rows, Don't bro. need to when you row. Yeah. <laughs> so Mallory became friends with Rupert Brooke, John Maynard Keynes, James Strachey, Lytton Strachey, and Duncan Grant, who would later become members of the Bloomsbury Group. I don't know what the Bloomsbury Group is. Tyler, you do. I do, yeah. I I studied this. The Bloomsbury Group was an associated English writers, intellectuals, and philosophers group that was in the first half of the 20th century. And so it was just a a group of, of people that kind of pushed philosophy um and the arts at the university of cambridge mallory was friends with those those men so he was you could say that he he wasn't just a mountaineer you know, nerds yeah he just wasn't a dumb yeah. mountaineer he 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 excelled in the intellectual part of of life sounds very uppity and prestigious
1: prestigious stage.
0: if you're a brit it's prestigious after his degree, he stayed at Cambridge for a year, and he wrote an essay, which was published as Boswell, the biographer. At the same time that he started writing his essay, he began to teach at the Charter House, which was one of England's great public schools at the time. And it was there that he met the poet Robert Graves. Robert was just a lad at the time, and later on, he would write about remembering Mallory for his encouragement in literature and poetry, as well as his instruction in climbing. So as a teacher, Mallory had great influence
1: over his students. He met his wife while he was at the charter house. Her name is Ruth Turner. They would eventually be married in 1914, six days prior to Britain and Germany going to war, which I'm just like, oh, great planning. Great planning on their part. I'm sure they knew that it was scheduled. And so they were like, let's (laughs) make sure we do it before. scheduled. anyway six days before the war and so in december of 1915 mallory was commissioned to the royal garrison artillery as a second lieutenant and was later promoted to lieutenant on july 1st 1917 spending most of his time in france during world war one he fought in the battle of the Somme. he would relinquish his commission on february 21st 1920 retaining the rank of lieutenant so that's pretty sick he got i mean a very talented individual and
0: let's, let's talk about his climbing career. Um, we're going to start off in Europe, naturally. So 1910 in a party led by Irving, Mallory and a friend would attempt to climb Mont Foulon in the Alps. They had to turn back shortly before the summit due to altitude sickness of Mallory, but he hasn't seen anything yet. <laughs> uh, a year later in 1911, Mallory climbed Mont Blanc and made the third ascent of the frontier ridge of Mont Maudit in a party led by Irving so sticking with his buddy
1: just to give you an idea going on a lot of adventures the peak <laughs> the peak that he turned back on is 12,228 feet and he didn't make it to the top of Mont Vélon. that's, that's nothing, not high honestly that's <laughs> nothing
0: we all live in the wasatch mountains of utah and twelve thousand feet's not not that high so luckily you know he's a rookie at that point um and he has obviously 11 years to gain experience before you know the the, the bad boy so a couple of years after he climbs mont he's asked to recall his experience and this leads to his quote where he says have we vanquished an enemy none but ourselves and that was published in the Alpine Journal of him recalling his ascent of Maudit. And then in 1913, this is great, he ascended Pillar Rock, which has been renamed to Mallory's Route. And he did that without assistance. And so this climb is currently graded as hard, very severe, and for those of you that climb the Yosemite decimal rating is 5.09 and he did that without assistance but typically if a climb is going to be graded over a five it's done with very little assistance you're basically free climbing and that short period of three years Where you know he couldn't make it past twelve thousand feet, he becomes a really experienced climber and is able to to climb a a very hard rating of five point zero nine. So Mallory gets his first taste of Asia, and is this his first expedition to Everest that we're going to discuss? It is. Yes, it will be. So Mallory participated in the initial nineteen twenty one British reconnaissance expedition, which was organized and financed by the Mount Everest Committee who had been exploring routes up the North Coal of Mount Everest. What's the North Coal, Skylar? You told us, you thought this in pre-recording. I did. Let's tell our audience. The North Coal is a sharp-edged pass carved by glaciers in the ridge connecting Mount Everest and, I don't know how to pronounce this, Changsti in Tibet. As we'll we'll discuss, it's kind of the, the main walking point to get to Mount Everest for all these mountaineers and climbers looking to get to the summit. So this this expedition produced the first accurate maps of the region around the mountain. Mallory, along with his partners, explored in depth several approaches to its peak. Under the leadership of Mallory and assistance from a dozen Sherpas, who are a native Tibetan group, Uh, the group climbed several lower peaks near Everest. This is where Mallory saw and named the Western Coombe at the foot of the Lotes Face, along with charting the course of the Rongbuk Glacier up to the base of the North Face. After circling the mountain from the south side, his party finally discovered the East Rongbuk Glacier, the highway to the summit that is now used by nearly all climbers on the Tibetan side. Climbing up the saddle of the North Ridge, they spied a route to the summit via the Northeast Ridge over the obstacle of the second step. So this first expedition wasn't really meant to reach the summit. It was more of kind of plan a route that would give them the best chance to get to the
1: summit. In 1922, Mallory returns to the Himalayas as part of the party led by Charles Bruce and Edward Strutt with the idea of making a serious attempt at the summit disregarding their bottled oxygen which at the time was seen as going against the spirit of mountaineering <laughs> <laughs> Mallory with two others almost reached the crest of the northeast ridge but they were being slowed by thin air hmm. I wonder what they could take with them that would help them (laughs) pass this obstacle. They achieved a record altitude of 26,980 feet, which is crazy. And now we're talking big numbers Mm -hmm. before they had to retreat due to the weather. And so a second group reached an elevation of 27,300 feet. So they ended up uh, 320 feet higher, Uh, but they used oxygen for climbing and sleeping and so this party climbed at record speeds. And so Mallory sees that and he would seize upon that in his next expedition because he realized if you want to go all the way, you're going to have to cheat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I mean, I bet they probably did think of oxygen as like some sort of performance enhancing drug
1: for real though. I mean, if it's not available, if it's not readily available in the air around you, you kind of have to cheat yeah. to put it in this nice little bottle shake it up a bit and breathe out of that instead <laughs> i get what they're saying definitely of it's like if you haven't ever had to use it before well, why would you so. want to do it then well your
0: options are it's either that or die those are your but, options
1: but how <laughs> your are... other option is use it and still die don't use it and
0: definitely die or use they're... it and maybe die <laughs> They're not aware that they might die with the oxygen too. But how hardcore is that? Like, that's against the spirit. of Yeah, but I mean, he was—he like... got altitude sickness at twelve thousand feet. So what makes him think that uh, twenty-six thousand feet he can go without his years of experience? He did
1: have—he was sick, right? He had altitude sickness, but guess what? He got over it, and then he could go higher. And so I'm sure they're <laughs> thinking like, "Oh, I got sick, altitude too much, can't do it." Well, I'll wait a day, and I should be able to go a little bit further,
0: yeah, and that is how Which you is... climb Mount Everest, you have to stop at certain stations for I don't know how long couple days and let your body acclimate to the yeah, thinner yeah. air before you can acclimate, advance That's a
1: great word well,
0: done. acclimate is a great word, so yeah, and that's that's just great, wow, they used oxygen, hmm, I wonder what would happen if I used oxygen like. <laughs>
1: I could beat those guys. I could beat those guys. It'd be, it is be definitely easier. just like performance enhancing is today. Somebody tries it and they get beat by somebody <laughs> using it. And they're like, I bet I could beat them if I used more. And, and then everybody and starts win. using it. And then everybody does it. And then everybody's using it. And then they like, totally the same. Yes, this was exactly. the first recorded use of performance enhancing drugs.
0: <laughs> That's probably not true. <laughs> Absolutely not.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Love it. So. Mallory brings a third expedition up, which is unsuccessful due to the part that they decided to go during monsoon season. There's only a certain time period which is the best to climb Mount Everest. And if you don't hit those specific days or those specific times, you have to deal with a lot of wind, you have to deal with a lot of storms. Obviously, he doesn't go at the best time. And due to this, they were climbing the lower slopes of the North Col, and there was some fresh waist-deep snow. And because they were traveling through it, it caused an avalanche, and it ended up killing seven Sherpas that were on the expedition with them. And so they quickly abandoned that attempt, and Mallory was accused of poor judgment, which I'm sure would be hard because, you know, you're trying to pioneer this. You're trying to be one of the first people to Mount Everest. And then you had some people die. And now people are like, uh, oh, I'm not sure if I want to climb with you because you might kill me. <laughs> Several reporters were talking to him. And one of them asked, why did you want to climb Mount Everest? And Mallory replied with probably the most three famous words in mountaineering. And he said, because it's there. I think that's so sick. What a great <laughs>
1: response. Because it's there. And that is the spirit of mountaineering right there. <laughs> we climb stuff because it's there. A couple of
0: years pass. Mallory becoming an old man at the prime age of 37. Don't call 37-year-olds old. I don't know, I'm just kidding. But he thought he was getting old. And so in 1924, he leads an expedition that he would call, you know, his last chance to summit Mount Everest. And so on June 4th, his new partner, Andrew, Andrew Irving, they set off from the advanced base camp and he decides, you know what, let's, let's do this. Let's use oxygen. Let's start with oxygen a little bit lower and see how, how well it can aid us. They moved up the North Pole, and it only took them two and a half hours. Now that's moving. That's moving.
1: Um, They were now cooking with gas. They were cooking with oxygen.
0: And so on June 6th, a couple of days later, they set off for Camp 5. Going through this, they're moving pretty quick. Um, And Mallory writes in his journal that he has only used three-fourths of one bottle of oxygen. He's pretty pumped. He's like, I haven't used a full tank. Like, (laughs) we just climbed several thousand feet. Like, we're going to do this. So on June 8th, noel odell who was following behind mallory and irving as kind of a support role he says he spots the pair of climbers around the first or second step but it possibly could have been the third step which was unknown at that time we have what he said right here but at 12:50, just after i had emerged from a state of jubilation At finding the first definite fossils on Everest, there was a sudden clearing of the atmosphere, and the entire summit ridge and final peak of Everest were unveiled. My eyes became fixed on one tiny black spot silhouetted on a small snow crest beneath a rock step in the ridge. The black spot moved, another black spot became apparent and moved up the snow to join the other on the crest. The first then approached the great rock step and shortly emerged at the top. The second did likewise. Then the whole fascinating vision vanished enveloped in cloud once more. And that, dun-dun-dun, was the last time that Mallory and Irving would be seen again. Apart from Odell's testimony, no evidence has been found that Mallory and Irving climbed higher than the first step and their spent oxygen cylinders were found just below the first step. Irvin's Ice Axe was found nearby in 1933, nine years later.
1: Moral of the story, don't bring somebody in a support role that's going to be (laughs) distracted by fossils. (laughs) (laughs) Some support role. (laughs) Just kidding.
0: Yeah, Some nerd
1: behind you. Ooh, trilobites. (laughs) Ooh, look at that. (laughs) The news of Mallory and Irvin's disappearance was taken very hard. They were widely mourned in Britain, and they were had been hailed as national heroes. And on October 17th, they held a memorial service where King George V and members of the royal family attended, as well as the prime minister and his entire cabinet. Now, in 1936, Frank Smith, who was on the expedition, believed he spotted a body below the place where Irvine's ice axe was found three years earlier. So this was... 1936, what, nine years after Mallory and Irvine disappeared. And so interestingly enough, that is kind of the last bit of news all the way up until 1999. So another 63 years before there's really any news. So in 1999, the Mallory and Irvine Research Expedition, sponsored by NOVA and BBC, searched for the bodies, and within just a few hours, and that's... Just picture that. You're preparing for like, we're going to look and search and dig and find. And a few hours in, they're like, hey, we found it. um So they end up finding a body just a few hours into their search. The body was below um, where the ice axe was found and it was believed to be Irvine's body at the time. That 1936 Frank Smith, who believed that he'd seen a body, was probably right. And he said, well, this is the area you should look. Nova and BBC, 63 years later, like, How come nobody looked? And so they go back and they end up finding the body. However, through some additional examination of the well-preserved body, and they cheated a little bit, there were some name tags. (laughs) They actually ended up finding Mallory's body. So they found receipts, a letter, um, some of the letters from the suppliers of the climbing equipment. And so that is what helped confirm the identity of the body. However, the team was unable to locate Irvine's body and the camera that Irvine and Mallory had taken on the expedition to capture photos. And so, as we've talked about, you know, did they go higher than the first step? There's no evidence of that. We know they at least got to, you know, the first step. That's where the ice axe was found, the canisters, the body falling down below. But that camera could, you know, hold some clues as to whether or not they made it further. We must find that camera.
0: Find the find camera!
1: And, and that's <laughs> what that...
0: Uh that show i talked about was kind of describing they were trying to find irving's body to find that camera so that they could know You know did they actually make it to the summit which would be so cool like to finally figure it out and be like yeah they did it and there's an old picture of them just standing on the top possibly with the first selfie
1: doing handstands <laughs>
0: We need to figure out when the first selfie was taken. We do. So many theories have come out of what has happened or what happened to Mallory and Irvine. Um, but like we said, none have been able to be confirmed or denied. Well, thus concludes our tale of George Mallory, the pioneer now, of mountaineering.
1: We may have to update now. this when the camera's found. That's right. In thirty six years. We hope you guys enjoyed it. All right. Thanks for tuning in this week, everybody. We'll hit you up in a couple of weeks with another great episode. Cheers. (laughs) Cheers, haughty ho.